Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Bet on Chicago. My name is Joey Christopoulos. Today's movie pod series of the 1996 film Twister is presented by BetOnline.ag. And look, our partners at BetOnline, they continue to be the number one source for all your betting needs and sports info. So you can find all the latest odds, news, and sports developments, including this year's NBA Finals, the Stanley Cup Finals, Major League Baseball, the latest fighting news, and even next season's early NFL futures. So what are you waiting for? Head to the website, use your mobile device to sign up today. Receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code BLEAVEBL. EAV to get a bonus and to get into the action bet online where the game starts ladies and gentlemen thank you so much for coming into the pod as you might have heard it is a movie pod series continuum of the 1996 film twister so let's bring in our guest panel today our first guest today he once told me that he chases tornadoes but after this pod I no longer deep down believe that it's a metaphor he is our resident and returning sidewinder it's Dan Sanders Joyce hello Dan the beauty of mother nature baby let's go Greenage, Greenage, let's have some fun. Um, our next guest coming up, you know, not most ordinary people in life spend their lives avoiding tense situations. Well, this next guest spends his life getting into tense situations. He's not onto the, he's not just on this pod for his penis. He's on this pod because he's the craziest son of a bitch in the game. It's Jeff Meacham. What's up, Jeff? Oh, that's no moon. That's a space station. <laughs> <laughs> and finally, we have a first-time guest coming up. His life has been mostly known for its downdrafts and microbursts, but his days of sniffing the dirt are over because he has on the Bet on Chicago movie pod series for the first time. It is new rock star's very own Tommy Bechtold. What's up, Tommy? We're going to need a bigger boat. <laughs> <laughs> I just thought we had to do a quote. <laughs> <laughs> no, Tommy, what are you doing? Mine was a quote from Star Wars that they used in Twister. You just oh. were going random quotes from movies, buddy. Oh, okay, sorry, guys. Sorry. <laughs> He's going to drop into his Scarface at any Sisters. moment. Sisters. All right. <laughs> <laughs> That's right, ladies and gentlemen. It is the 1996 film Twister. It was released on May 10th, 1996 on a budget of $92 million, a box office haul of 495.7 million dollars it currently has a rotten tomato score of 62 percent ladies and gentlemen it came at just the right time in the month of may 1996 here are the month of may 96 movie releases on may 3rd barbed wire may 10th twister and welcome to the dollhouse may 16th train spotting may 21st mission impossible may 31st Dragonheart, eddie and the arrival Mission Impossible aside, what a great month to rake in some cash because the month of June 1996 is The Cable Guy, The Rock, The Phantom, Eraser, Nutty Professor, Striptease, and Disney's Hunchback of Notre Dame. That is a packed month, ladies and gentlemen. So let's just kick this off here. Dan, why don't you hop in first, man? I want to know when was the last time you saw this movie before I forced you to watch it. This is one of my favorite action 90s movies of all time, and we're going to dive into it. Uh, definitely the last time I saw this before I had to watch it for this was with you for sure. Probably, probably at the Shambos, uh, mm -hmm. or, or some, you know, one of the places that we inhabited in Chicago, but definitely the last time I saw this was with you. Uh, I had lived through a twister before. Uh, I, I lived through a twister in Florida when I was a kid. It touched down right, uh, in the, in the, in both neighbors' backyards and left our backyard completely, uh, untouched. Well, we've got ourselves an expert on our hands right now. We're going to be diving into your expertise as we move along. Uh, Tommy, uh, so happy that you're on the pod here for the first time. When was the last time you saw Twister before you had to watch it this time? And, and, and what would you think? How's it standing up for you? I got to say, my uh, last time I saw Twister had to have been at the Little Bar on La Brea, only via closed caption. And I think it was one of those. I used to live near the Little Bar, and I would go there. And every once in a while, a movie would come on that they'd be playing, and I would watch it in its entirety, sitting at like like people probably thought I was the saddest, loneliest drunk, but really I was just paying attention to the movie. So I just remember watching it, so like bits and pieces, and of course, like like all good TNT or cable movies, I've seen five to ten minutes of it over the course of twenty years, uh, probably once or twice a year. That's such a great point. This is very much that TNT style of doesn't really matter when the movie starts when it doesn't. You're going to sit down. You're going to dive into it. That's right. Jeff, uh, hop in on this one. Uh, I think you watched Twister yesterday, so you're a little fresh on it. Uh, how is it living up to you? And when was the last time you saw it before you saw it yesterday? Let's uh, let's take care of the elephant in the room here, boys. This movie it's amazing. Came out, it's an incredible movie. This movie came out on May 10th, 1996. I lost my virginity 
no more than five weeks prior to this movie. Wow. So my life was wow. very different. Yeah. When I saw this movie, the dynamic and of Paxton and Hunt, all of a sudden it was clicking for you more <laughs> than it ever had before. Sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Things were making sense. Let's just say I was having my own twister. Um, I uh, let's. <laughs> that's all I'm going to do now from now on. Is just have ridiculous puns on your podcast, Joey. <laughs> um, by the way, I too have had a twister go right over me at in Florida. Obviously, Sarasota, Florida, where I mostly grew up over my theater. Uh, I believe it must have been that year or the next year. It was uh, only probably an F1 or an F2. Let's not get too dramatic here. But it went right over uh, the, the theater. And Jordan Basner was the name of our crazy friend. And I remember the head of the school, the head of the department, Ken Wiegers, goes, where the fuck is Jordan? And we look over by the door and Jordan had gone outside and was standing under it, basically like under a little awning, but he was just standing there and he was like, this is the greatest thing ever. And so he, he too was in the inside of a, uh, not just, not just Paxton and hunt, but also Jordan Basner. Yeah. And a personal life story. Uh, I love tornadoes. I love weather. I love rain, which is obviously uh, we're four California boys. So we're just going to be kind of like, Hey, remember when, the weather would just change radically yeah. at three o'clock in the afternoon. You'd yeah. have a barbecue that was going great and it would be dashed by rain. Uh, no, I've definitely been in a very close call with a tornado. I guess you could say I've been in a moment where the cone was silent, uh, where everything just stops. It's really windy, but then it just stops dead in its tracks. And the reason why I wanted to do this movie is this for me is just a quintessential summer movie. This is like. I don't know. There's just something about it. Maybe it is the fact that it's in Oklahoma. Maybe the fact that, you know, Dodge Ram saw this and was like, we're going to make commercials like this Mm -hmm. for the next 20 years of just going, doing some off-roading. This movie is like a hot dog at like 2.30 in the afternoon on a porch, and you're looking at someone playing with a hose like in the backyard. I don't know what this movie – there's something about it. And, Dan, I I couldn't – I was struck by this, and maybe – uh, they probably didn't make a lot of movies like this in the 90s, and they probably don't make a lot of these movies I know for now, but there's no guns in this movie. There's not a single gun, right? There's there's no superpowers in this movie outside of maybe the power to read tornadoes. Yes. And, 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 there, and there's a monster in the house, but it's a natural monster of the earth. I'm not the biggest, like, tidal wave hurricane guy, but I'm a huge twister guy, Dan. And there's something like... I don't want to say wholesome, but there's something different about this movie, and it still slams as an action film. Slams as an action film, and the, I think the reason for that is like, once you get to the first storm, they do they do they do that '90s thing where like some of the shit that they say, they do no work on explaining how or why it's going to happen, but they give you the information that you need. And at the very top, she's like, 12 storms back to back to back to back," and once they hit that first storm, it doesn't stop. You are on a ride. You are on the downslope of the fucking roller coaster from the second they hit that first storm, and it just goes. Um, so, you know, they they set themselves up for success, and also, like, John DeBont, and, and the way that he shoots action is really fun and, and interesting, and um, he's apparently a nightmare on set, but uh, but gets, gets good results. So, yeah, man, I, you know, you're, you're right, Joey. I, I didn't even think about the no guns thing, but that's such an interesting point, especially for the 90s. There's not a single gun. It's a bunch of nerds. Running right, around. but and, and and let's be real. Like, if this movie was made today, some director would think that it'd be funny to have a guy shooting a shotgun at the tornado. Like, I'm going to, sh- you know what I mean? And try and make some sort of joke about it. Yeah, or Jonas, like, pulls a gun on somebody at some point to show that he's the, ba- you know, the badass or something like that. Yeah, Tommy, hop in on this one, too. My other question was, is, is this, is 1996 the pinnacle of technology? Because there's there's a couple things going on, right? There's some there's some computers, there's some satellite stuff that we're trying to get information and break ground on. Right. There's still like when the when the therapist has a cell phone, that's a little too bougie. Yeah. Like, oh, she has a cell phone. You know, mm. is this kind of the the? I wish I could go back and bottle up this moment of technology and probably yeah. just live in this era because after that it, it gets out of control. Well, yeah, I mean, this was like, this was the last, this is like, this is, there's definitely a barrier of when we embrace technology, whereas we sneer at it a little bit in this movie. In the, in the end, Bill Paxton's instincts is the ultimate technology. <laughs> you know, civilizations for thousands of years have relied on intuition and instinct as, a, as their superpowers, as you would say. And then in this movie, we, we have, we have, corporate weather measuring machines jonas is trying to they're trying to sponsor tornadoes 
No. Nowadays, those tornadoes would have, they'd be wearing patches and logos for Mobile and Exxon and Shell and, and, and Nike. There'd be a Nike swoosh on that whooshing tornado. So, yeah, I think this was it. This was the. This is when we said people with cell phones. Gross. Ah, uh, what are you, a millionaire? What are you, a billionaire? Now every seven-year-old has a cell phone at the as they sit down for dinner, looking at a screen. I'm gonna get off my soapbox now, Joey. Thank you for including me in that question. But yeah, 1996. This movie's like a slice of apple pie, isn't it? It's just. It's, they should play it on the Fourth of July every year. Oh, There's, absolutely. Or the third of July, the second yeah. of July, right in between Independence Every Day. Every day just in wrap July. It in there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, Jeff, I want to move on to casting what ifs. Let's just dive in real quick because I found this one to be really interesting. And there's two schools of thought where let's just get the directors out of the way. There are a lot of people that are approached to do this movie. Uh, Spielberg, Zemeckis, John Carpenter, James Cameron, obviously. Uh, even Tim Burton, I guess. I don't know. That could just be an Internet thing. Not really so sure about that one. And then it ended up being Jan de Bont with two back-to-back slams of speed and twister. Boom, boom, boom. Mark Mancia on the score for both of them, which we'll get into maybe a little bit later. But let's just start with casting what-ifs here. I want to do Helen Hunt separately because Helen Hunt, I think, is almost perfectly cast. I was trying to think of some different people that could have played her. But, Jeff, here are the casting what-ifs for Bill Paxton's role. And I don't want to... R.I.P. Bill Paxton. I love him. I think he's great in this role. But this is a really specific role that I think you're going to love, Jeff, that resonates. It's just a great action role, every man who has the who has the leg up on the intelligence factor. So Tom Hanks was attached to this role for quite some time. Oh. And he decided not to do it because he felt like it just wasn't something that he wanted to do at that particular time. Maybe it was the Apollo 13 of doing a double dip, something along mm. those lines. Uh, Mel Gibson was attached briefly. Kevin Costner was also attached briefly. Michael Keaton. And then the big one for me that I think was maybe the biggest heavy hitter was Kurt Russell. Mm. Got really close to playing this role. Jeff, just talk about Bill Paxton in this movie a little bit. And any of those maybe pique your interest. You know Cruz could have played this too as well. Cruz could have definitely played this. He had... This is a real interesting one because you did. You just named a bunch of heavy hitters, and I'm opening up immediately looking at the the movies that Paxton did just before this. Uh, the Last Supper, I've never heard of that before. Apollo 13, Frank and Jesse, True Lies, obviously is one of our probably is that's got to be our favorite uh, Paxton character of all time. I got a real small penis when he's all. It's pathetic. <laughs> it's pathetic. He's so good in those characters. So is this in Tombstone? He was in that as Morgan Earp. I'm trying to see where he was a leading man before this. And I don't. Pred- oh, remember he was in Predator 2? That's right. He was in Navy SEALs as well. God, I freaking love his career so much. So in comes kind of the. The perfect, do you, th- how about this? Let me ask you a question back because I, I love him in this movie so much. Do you think when they cast him, they skewed the character in the writing? They changed it a little bit for him that he came in a little yuppie? Or do you think that any one of these guys could have done that? Because he's not Harrison Ford, you know? He's, he, he, he so he's, he, he did have some cheesy scenes in this movie. But is he the best one to play this role? I'm not 100% sure. Dan, hop in on this. So, uh, I, I want to throw in another name that was attached to this for a while. And that is Garth Brooks was also attached to this lead role. And it came out in his book that he turned it down because what? Chris Gaines, Chris Gaines said, no, not right for your career. No, it came out in his book. It came out in his book that or somebody's book that worked for him, that he said no to it because he wanted the tornado to be the real star of the movie. And wow. he have bigger star power. Wow. Than, so he turned out the movie. Was uh, he that famous? Was he just so famous? He was like time, at that time he was the first country yeah. star to really like cross over and right. he, he was enormous. I mean he was yeah. selling stadiums. Right, right. No, I believe I it. I just tornado to be the star. Uh, which, which I was, <laughs> Oh my God. Um, but I think I actually Michael Keaton was up for this role. I started thinking about Michael Keaton in this role, and I think that I, I want to see this movie with Michael Keaton. Yeah. Yeah. So the question for me is the bickering between him and Helen Hunt, which I think mm. is true Paxton. I think that's mm-hmm. hardcore Paxton. Maybe not every one of those guys would have had that kind of edge to it. Mm. But I'm just telling you guys, Kurt Russell. Yeah. Ah, God, Jesus. God damn it. I'm standing right in front of you, Joe. 
I'll come, what are you doing? You're you're throwing your life away. God damn it! Come out. Oh, what are you doing? Like, uh, there's there's a part of it, and like him and Carrie always getting in his face. You stole it yeah. from me, you damn thief. Like, there's lines like that that sort of makes me think this was a Kurt Russell slam dunk. But Kurt Russell was like executive decision at that point. Mm. He wasn't really. I don't know. It was the same year, was wasn't it? It was the I same year, so. so he probably chose to do that one instead. Here's one for you, just a little twist, if you will. What if he played it as Snake Plissken? Snake Plissken is the guy in this movie fighting the tornadoes. I'm just is, saying. Is Billy? Is Billy? Future future tornadoes. Got the eye patch. Yeah. Yeah. Tom, Tommy, any of these casting yeah. what ifs? Maybe. I, well, you uh, know, make you I think. think I think Tom Hanks isn't. Is it doesn't have the edge enough to to pull off the like his bickering is a little more whiny in my opinion and I love Tom Hanks but like when he bickers with with his with his uh, with his uh, love interest in movies it's a little more like I'm at the end of my rope I can't help it like what do you want me to do Michael Keaton is too weird I love Michael Keaton he's my probably my favorite actor but it it, it would have been all about him. You wouldn't take your eyes off of him in that. The situation. tornado would not have been the star with Michael. Michael Keaton. Keaton would have been the star of that movie, and he may have also been the tornado. It would have been like a Benedict Cumberbatch situation where Michael Keaton mo-capped the tornado as well. But I think <laughs> the two that I could see stepping into the role would be Costner, although Costner kind of always argues with himself. Like he's got, he always puts so much gravitas that he's like, when he's insulting someone, he doesn't even look at them. He just like says it out to the wall. But. uh so I, yeah, Kurt Russell, I think, is the one that I would, I, I could, if you're gonna, you know, there's put us in a different uh, uh, universe or a different multiverse. Kurt Russell could have maybe it would would have been great in this role. But God, I love Bill Paxton, and, and I just and, I don't want I don't want it to exist with anyone else. And and this lead, yeah, and I agree. This leads me into it's fun to sort of think about, and I love Kurt Russell probably the most for this. But again. Once you put any of those actors in this, do yeah. they have that same thing with Helen Hunt that I think yeah. Paxton and Helen Hunt have? I don't think that they do. And let's just hit it. Like, Dan, if you want to go first, Helen Hunt, is there anyone else? I was trying to come up with, I don't know, Laura Dern or something like that. I thought Madeline Stowe, but even still, like, Madeline Stowe maybe wouldn't have been able to pull off that, the cool leader of the Storm Chasers thing. And, and Jan DeBont went to bat for Helen Hunt. They tried to audition all these different people, and he was like, no, this is Helen Hunt. We're pulling her from TV. We're putting her in a movie, yeah. which is very taboo at the time in 1996. And she's in – is Mad About You happening right now during this time? Pushed, Mad About You pushed their fourth season by a couple of weeks so that they could finish filming Twister. Oh, my God. So it's at the height of Mad About yeah. You. And well, she it, it also – it's weird because Mad About You and uh, between the third and fourth season got pushed to Sunday night. And uh, the executives of the show told the New York Times that they thought Paul Reiser pushed because he was sulking about being moved to Sunday nights. But Paul Reiser came out and fucking threw a little shade to them and was like, no, I care about my co my, my co-star and she's shooting Twister right now and I want her to be able to finish that. Awesome. So Paul Reiser stopped production, pushed production for like two weeks uh, so they could finish this up. I don't, Joey, I don't think anybody could have done this role better than Helen Hunt. There's there's a moment in this movie when Bill Paxton says that he's getting married and she just takes that time and just says, wow. Uh, but like at this this moment that she had, no one could no one could touch it. No one can touch her in this movie. She got top yeah. billing in this movie. She got top she billing in she this does. movie, you guys. That was a big thing I wanted to point out. That's crazy town. She got, like, yeah. She was 1996. Yeah, and she wasn't a movie star at the time either. It's a big no, deal. No, and, and it's one it's one of those things too. Where if you remember the poster, it's them very tiny in the poster, running from a giant tornado, oh, right? Yeah. So oh, yeah. that's kind of how that plays. Fantastic movie poster, by the way. Um, but no, yeah, I'm right there with you. I mean, Helen Hunt, and it's so funny. Obviously, this sets up as good as it gets for her, right? I mean, she already kind of sort of plays the same type it's of the character. Next year, is it not? Is it not? I, I think as good as it gets came out in '98, but '97 uh, or '98. So that's what a run she's had. Right, yeah. Yeah. Now she's, she's incredible with it. And I think that's what kind of puts to bed the whole Bill Paxton. What if he was recast and what makes him perfect for the role is I think Helen Hunt makes him perfect for the Fair role. Part, I yeah, mean, yeah. You know what I mean? And they have that classic and look, this is something that's been done a hundred thousand times in movies that grading. I can't stand you. You can't stand me, mm. but we love each other at each other's throats dynamic. And it's not like this movie is going to win an Oscar, but this is, I think one of the better representations of people that can't get out of each other's way to just be together. And I think a lot of it has to do with some of the work that they have to do. Um, I didn't want to throw how, out there. How the about music. this, Joey? How about this for a run? They go, they both do Twister. 
They get, you know, top billing in this awesome movie that makes a ton of money. And the next year, both of them basically win Academy Awards, meaning she wins an Academy Award for Best Actress. And he is one of the stars of Titanic, which goes on to win Best Picture. That's pretty, pretty good run for the two of them. Yeah, dude, that, I, I didn't even really I didn't even really think about it. I always kind of forget Paxton's in that first. Well, he, he basically is playing James Cameron in Titanic, yeah. right? Like basically playing his. His avatar, Fro- frosted tips, I think, and he has an earring. He goes, he goes <laughs> yeah. full late, full late nineties. <laughs> um, so I want to just toss out real quick. Oh, we're talking about runs a little bit. Uh, Mark Mancia is on the score for this. Just to throw this out there, Mark Mancia is in charge of the score for Speed, Bad Boys, Money Train, Twister, Con Air, Ooh. Speed Two, Bait, and Training Day. So uh, for the young, for the young, uh, growing male in the 90s going out and seeing these movies in an ice cold movie theater on a hot hot day mark mancia is pretty much giving us that and also we're going to get to when we do winners and losers we're going to talk a little van halen which Mm -hmm. i think is one of the smarter moves that you can ever really incorporate Mm -hmm. um into a type of movie but i want to hop into let's just talk about the wide cast that's in this movie we've got the good team and we've got the bad team and Mm -hmm. each of them is like a guy and i know that we talked about paul reiser maybe uh you know postponing mad about you so Helen Hunt can finish the movie we all know Jonathan Silverman stopped shooting the single guy so Joey Slotnick can obviously shoot this movie we all know that, right. that happened right <laughs> well, let's, let's be very very fair here yeah. so he did get some rock paper scissors at the very end did you guys notice that <laughs> wait what's that <laughs> but Jeff uh Jeff hop in just just pick one man we're gonna we're gonna kind of skim across them all I do want to land on Philip Seymour Hoffman maybe last so pick someone mm. Just that caught your eye when you were watching this yesterday. You were like, holy shit, it's that guy. Or holy shit, it's that girl. Or that actor, actress, whatever. Okay. Well, I've got two of them. And we're going to start with Jamie Gertz. Oh, yeah. Right? We're going to the Atlanta Hawks. Also, who also got top billing in this in this movie. Yeah, yeah. She got it. Yeah, she's third billing. She was the fourth. 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 All right, carry always. Sorry, carry of course, carry always. Right, right, right. Jamie Gertz had no idea that was Star from The Lost Boys. And I shit myself when i looked that up from 16 candles too from yeah from 16 candles who is she into i don't know 16 candles that well i know i've seen it a bunch but i don't like remember it that well she's the the hot girl in the in the high school isn't she Uh, obviously she's the hot girl she's beautiful star star was one of those characters again so that's that movie comes out in 87 i'm eight so by the time i'm watching on vhs when i'm at that that age you know that sex scene that song so that character meant so like i was so attracted to that character in that movie. So then to find out that's her playing this uptight. Uh, what is it? What is her? What is her actual job? What kind of therapist is she uh, in this? Uh, reproductive. Uh, reproductive. Yes. Reproductive. I mean, is there a better role? Like, is there such great writing for that character? And when she's answering the phone calls in the car, and she's got that little southern twang to her. Jamie Gertz was the surprise to me. It was more again. I did not know who she was, and to find out that she had this amazing career got me like nobody's business and then obviously what's his face from uh the rock help me out joey what's his name the guy from oh, the rock or Spor- uh, sporlender uh um <gasps> uh, what's his first name i got it pulled up somewhere did he even have George. did he George. even have dialogue in this movie i don't think so i don't think so no, he does have a uh he does have a smile when carrie elwis's car flips over eight times and then explodes <laughs> yes! in front of the f5 where he's just like, getting ready for the rock <laughs> Yeah. yeah, and he's just like <laughs> Gregory he's Sporlender. Sporlender. He always Sporlender. has that delight, that delight in his face. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. No, that's a great call. Um, what a uh, good Tommy, bad guy he is. Tommy, throw one out there because uh, what we're kind of also tracking too, as well as again, 1996 movies. Yes. Uh, therapy is wrong. Do not follow yes. the science. Only That's follow right. your instincts. <laughs> Come on. Isn't that great that we're coming back around to it in 2022? Let's not talk politics. I'm going to go all in on a uh, couple people here. One uh, new, like, recent social media darling, Sean Whalen, people under the stairs, uh, all-time goofy-looking guy. Once saw him doing a knife presentation at Costco, so... You know, I think he's coming back a little bit, but I see. What do you like, mean? Whoa, whoa! What do you mean a knife presentation? He he was, you know, there's like jobs actors can take in LA, and and, and I'm by no means above it, where you can like present, do like demos of products yeah. at Costco, and you. But it's like it's more than just you're the cheese sample person, where you're like have some cheese. You do a full on like you have like a mic headset. It's basically like you're doing a show at Universal Studios. So you're like, come on, everybody gather around, gather around. We're going to show you. You're like the slap chop guy. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. He's basically Vince from slap chop. He, uh, he, like, I would say 
somewhere around 2009, 2010 was doing some Costco uh, knife selling uh, demos. Uh, wow. Anyhow, neither here nor there. But if you watch him now, he's got a huge following on TikTok and appears to be working a lot. He has, does a great series where he, uh, I guess, kind of blows up the spot of his co-stars and like discusses Usually it's, po- it's a very positive slant of like, what was this person like to work with in real life? Which is kind of, a, I think, a morbid curiosity we all have of like, who are these people? If you meet them in real life, you see them on screen and like, are they assholes or are they nice? So Sean Whalen, definitely always clock him. Uh, you know, I'm an Alan Ruck guy from day one. I'm always going to be an Alan Ruck stand. Real but quick, think- y- Jan DeBont, yeah. keeping Alan Ruck alive in the 90s, right? Absolutely. With Speed and Twister, just bringing his guy back. But his, just could bring, anyone yeah. have predicted the meteoric, like, Alan Ruck renaissance of, like, 2015 to present day, where he just became a, like, premium television killer? Limited series, obviously Succession, but even, like, limited series. He was on that, uh, the dropout with, uh, the, uh, mm-hmm. on Hulu recently. But phenomenal in that as, like, a, like, corporate D-bag. Uh, and then you guys I, know, and you guys know who he's married to. I don't. Do none of you guys know? And oh god, I wish one of you would have said it because I'm forgetting her name right now. Oh no, <laughs> oh, I open. I can She's tell one you. of my favorite actresses. She's the star of the killing. She's it's better be Jamie too. Gertz. Miriel Enos. Uh, Mire Mi, Enos, that beautiful Enos. actress oh. that was in the killing. She she was Brad Pitt's wife yes. in uh, 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 World War Z. She's an amazing actress, and their kids go to my school, and so I all stare at them. Wow, good job, Rock. And then the last one is the guy who plays Eddie the driver who's just an all-time like just born with that face of like treachery so no matter what no matter who he plays you always know he's probably ended up on the bad side that poor guy that is not his fault that he dies my favorite so it's zach grenier who if we all remember is the fight club boss Uh, i believe it's the blue uh, the cornstarch tie day uh and his his latte enema whatever uh latte muffin enema and yeah, and he's also in Tommy Boy, too, as well. He always yes. plays kind of like a normal, meek guy yes. with a really weird dark side. My yes. favorite part about this one is it's a classic role, too, is that when you pit a good team versus bad team, he is the guy on the bad team who kind of wishes he got signed to the good team. Yeah, like yeah Just yeah. a little bit, like when contracts yeah. came up, when he interviewed, yeah. <laughs> thought, you know, I, I'm going to go corporate. This will be fine. This won't be a problem. But after he's like, well, maybe we should listen to him. And he's like, keep your eyes on the road. Uh, Dan, throw out a, throw, who's your favorite side guy in this? Uh, Jeremy Davies from Saving Private Ryan. Oh, nice. yeah. The, and Lost. Yeah, and Lost. Yeah. 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 And then FBI now and a bunch of, he does a piece, he works all the time now. But yeah, uh, Jeremy Davies, the camera guy that couldn't figure out that the, uh, okay, thank you, sir. Um, that couldn't figure out uh, how to clean the lens to get the grass out of the lens. I mean, this cast is loaded, like going down IMDb now, even like the smaller players. It's like, holy cow. Dude, Anthony Rapp, star of Rent, is in this. Jake Busey is in this. Give me some Jake Busey. Give me some Patrick Fischler. Yes. Give me some Patrick Fischler. Give me a little Abe Ben Ruby, Uh, you know, luminary patron of the acting scene in LA. I had been in a couple acting classes with Abe, great guy. Uh, Uh, And my, my favorite one, honestly, also is Richard Lineback plays the dad. Uh, he's the he's also mm-hmm. the shitty dad in Varsity Blues. Yes, um, but he always plays kind of like uptight, kind of like you know mm-hmm. he plays like kind of more of a level-headed dude in this. Movie. Oh, is that Another the dad guy. at the beginning of the movie? The dad at the beginning, yeah, yeah with Rusty also- with Rusty Schwimmer of of of, of North Shore, Illinois yeah. fame. Also, uh, also in Speed. Also in Speed. Also, oh, that's speed. right. I guess they fell behind. Uh, uh, <laughs> Norwood, which I assume has to be named after Scott Norwood. Uh, the, uh, in speed. So w- this brings us to Philip Seymour Hoffman, ladies and gentlemen. Um, yes. And I'm gonna kind of, I'm gonna try and keep this brief and bring my personal thoughts because I want to get each of your guys' thoughts on how you ingested your introduction to Philip Seymour Hoffman and how you enjoyed his career moving forward. Dan, obviously, he had a Chicago career, right? We were, I was never in the same room with him, but I was around him when he was always in town directing or doing plays. Um, Jeff, if you want to go first on Philip Seymour Hoffman, just my opinion as I think this is one of the coolest ways to introduce one of the greatest actors of our generation in a role like this. Like, I wish we'd go to, obviously, you know, if we can go back in time, like Daniel Day-Lewis plays just a funny side character, right? Mm-hmm. Who is always bringing a little bit of brevity and a little bit of lightness to each sort, of, each scene. He is kind of the audience and he is kind of like, this is awesome. Chasing Storms is awesome. Um, Jeff, just just open it up with 
What do you remember when you first saw Philip Seymour Hoffman in this movie? Did you think he was going to become one of the greatest actors of our generation? And, and what, is, what does he mean to you in, uh, in, in your world of loving movies? Um, I had the opportunity of seeing Philip Seymour Hoffman um, on stage do True West years ago where he and um, wow. What's-His-Toes, why can't I think of his name, uh, played both roles. They would switch it on um, opposite nights. Who's his... Um, Who's his opposite? Philip Seymour Hoffman. He's he did every movie in the '90s. Um, he just started in Winning Time. Why can't I think of his name? He played oh John C. Riley. John C. Riley. Yeah. <clears throat> um, Philip Seymour Hoffman. It is crazy to think that the guy from Twister and the guy from Scent of a Woman is the guy, and the guy from Boogie Nights is then later on winning Academy Awards. Mm. I mean, his. Well, we do make the argument. I think a lot of us do make the argument is, is he the greatest actor of all time? That's kind of a crazy argument, right? Like, not just like, is he the greatest character actor, but is he maybe one of, if not the greatest, you know, American actor of all time? So to see him in this role in Twister, to go back and remember that I'm 17 when I'm watching this, how funny the character is, the choices. I Dan and I talk about this a lot in, in, from our acting class just to get a little actory here, watching someone make choices that are so in, in the moment that you know it wasn't just something where he said, I'm going gonna, I'm, I, I, I'm gonna, to, let's lock this moment in, that each time he made unique choices in this movie, especially in his first few moments, especially with the, the wife character, the fiancé character, I just... He was just the best. I don't really. Someone jump in here. I just love him so much. Dan, 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 jump in on Philip Seymour Hoffman, man. I know you. I know he's near and dear to our heart. Where he was around us, and I know that you love him. So go for it. I, yeah, there's not. It's. It is incredible. I mean, I agree with everything that Jeff said. It's incredible to watch. You know, it's. A, we we talk about it at all the time. Like you're you're uh, you're a type until you're a name. And I think when you look at Philip Seymour Hoffman, you don't immediately think the gravitas and, and sort of like ethos that he brought to the later things in his career, especially when he was younger, he had that gangly hair and he's a little odd looking and you were like, okay, this dude's going to be a funny character actor. And, and he got to be Philip Seymour Hoffman because he trusted that like, I'm going to get to where I need to be. I'm going to play the game how it needs to be played. And we got like, the, that's the other thing too. If you watch his movies he never he never really does anything the same in his movies you know like i know jeff this may be sacrilege to you and i i, I mean no offense by this but tom is tom and and, and pretty oh, much of course no 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 jeff goldblum tom cruise uh you know those guys are that's who they are but we talk about transcendent actors we talk about daniel day lewis we talk about um you know gary oldman philip seymour hoffman is in every single one of those conversations and probably dominating those conversations. Yeah. Yeah. That's such a great point that you're bringing up where Tommy, I'm curious, obviously you don't know, but if you could speculate, do you think that Philip Seymour Hoffman, do you think this was casting on type or do you think this was something where maybe Philip Seymour Hoffman was taking a role and maybe elevating it in a way that maybe no one expected? I, I mean, you know, I think I, I told you when you asked me about, uh, to, to do possibly do the podcast Philip Seymour Hoffman grew up five, five minutes from where I was born and so like all he was never not a huge movie star in my periphery because the press coverage of him in anything that he did was so tremendous and it, you know this movie came out when I was 13 so I wasn't really I didn't have any nuance with the way I saw media so it's like he's on the front page of our newspaper like for his role in Twister. So like, to me, it was like, he's like, you know, I can watch the movie and then kind of contextualize where he falls in the pecking order. But I didn't know anything about how movies were made then at that point. So like, he was always a huge star to me just in that way, because he was the famous person from our hometown. But I have a feeling that like, at that point in his career, he was probably a bit of a Trojan horse where like, they would kind of, they probably, he was probably like, you know, maybe not uh, underestimated, but just like probably, business-wise correctly estimated at what he brought to an audition. I mean, I think he's, Philip Seymour Hoffman is one of those people that like, you know, gets attributed a lot of acting quotes, but you, who knows if he actually said them all, but he does, he does talk, meditate a lot, on, or he did meditate a lot on the audition process and how, you know, that was like his time to, to, you know, act and, you know, and, and, and get a chance to, uh, 
even when he wasn't booking that was like you know he viewed it as uh, the auditions as performances also can blush on command which is difficult to do <laughs> uh, a little known fact about him he can blush on cue but uh yeah i think he probably auditioned killed it and then they never even thought that he was going to deliver the performance that he did he probably did a great job for what they were expecting which was below what he could deliver and then he over delivered and why that's why he continued to over deliver and deliver and then deliver some of the greatest performances we're ever going to have so i know that's not exactly a, a linear answer but that's uh, that's the answer well no no i think you guys are giving like a really wonderful layered uh making all these wonderful layered points because it, you just when you're watching this movie and you rewatch it it's definitely the side guy who's a goofy guy and he mm -hmm. says a couple of goofy things and then you kind of feel like, well, how do they spread it out across this ensemble? But as the movie goes on, they keep going back to Philip Seymour Hoffman. Yeah. And as a viewer, you keep going, oh, he's on. Like, you know what I mean? Whenever he pops into a scene, you're super into it. Oh, Jamie Gertz is going to ride with Philip Seymour Hoffman for the next moment. Like, I I'm into it. You, of all the cars that you want to ride in in this mm. movie, you don't oh, want to yeah. ride with Bill Paxton or Helen Hunt. You want to ride with Philip Seymour Hoffman's <laughs> car with the music blaring in the back. Yeah. And it's just kind of an interesting moment where I think a lot of those types of roles come and go, but an actor of his of his caliber, even so early on before even doing Mr. Ripley, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. He took it and he elevated and he steals so many scenes. Jeff, hop in. Yeah, I, I wonder if just like <laughs> I'm always going to go back to Tom Cruise, Tom Cruise and Taps, where the role was smaller. And then as he's in this movie, they're like, wait a minute, this guy's amazing because he didn't have a ton of credits before this. Mm -hmm. So I'm wondering if they kept adding stuff because the moment for me was when they went back to Louis Smith's house and the house had fallen and the two leads go into the house. And then who's the third one to run up the mm -hmm. to kind of take on a dramatic moment is Philip Seymour Hoffman. I think they knew they were uh, the director knew he was onto something special and used him more and more and gave him more things to do throughout the movie. I can almost guarantee it, even though I don't know what I'm talking about. I, I just, I I'm, I'm with you, Jeff. And, and we've been on, you know, we've been around enough people and enough times where it's even happened to us where like you go in and you crush on a day and they bring you back, you know? Mm -hmm. um, and I, I feel like his, I, I feel like they started, uh, to unravel a story where he and and um, uh, Melissa maybe have something at the end, like she doesn't leave, and then they were like, you know what, maybe it's too complicated, too many layers. Seriously, let's leave it alone. But like they kind of start going down that path where he's just aggressively like, "Yo, bitch, you mind? Let's go," <laughs> you know. Uh, so that great I, shot in the rain when he's holding the broken umbrella oh over her. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> an amazing shot. It, yeah, and it is, and, it, and we're talking about a character role in a movie that has Jan de Bont basically racing his camera from shot to shot, right? There's almost these moments where, like, the actors have to run to catch up to Jan de Bont's right. camera. And next thing you know, you're slam cutting to these beautiful shots of these cars zipping down a cornfield road with a sunset going down. And there's these moments where they do try and get a little quiet, but it's Philip Seymour Hoffman kind of adding these these little moments that keep the ride moving a little bit. I want to talk about one more actor, then we're going to do two categories and get out of here. Uh, just real quick, Carrie Ellis, yes. heel turn. Um, my biggest one that I noticed, uh, Tommy, is that he's the only guy with a country accent in this movie. Yes. What is that about? Carrie <laughs> Ellis, a, a man of mystery, similar to the Nolan family, has siblings that speak without a British accent and siblings that speak with a British accent. You <laughs> never know what you're getting. With Carrie Always, actually, I worked with him on the first movie I ever worked on. I was a PA, and I had to pick, and I had to meet him on New Year's Day at a at a hotel because he was checking into a hotel in Rochester, and uh, I I was expecting Wesley from Princess Bride, but this was 2008, so a slightly older, uh, grizzled Carrie Always walked in, still very handsome, and he's like, "How oh, you tell me?" And I'm like, "Yes," and then he's like. I have to have a nap, but then can you come up to my room and read lines with me? So I, so I, the, like my first introduction to him was meeting him, getting him into his hotel room, sitting in the lobby for two hours while he took a nap and then going back up and running his lines with him. And what he was doing was a dark crime thriller that was uh, all of the lines that we were talking about were like really did like graphic descriptions of crimes. And I was playing the female role and it was very awkward. But he was, but he wanted to talk to me because I had the regional accent. So he was trying to learn. This is this is where this ties in. Like he he's always attempting to do the accent that he thinks 
is the correct accent. Now, for some reason, he missed the memo in Twister that just a standard American, like, non-regional. Well, let me a lot, you people, all right? Come on down now, Dan, Dialect Dojo, hop us in. Hop in the Dan's, oh, Dialect, Dan's Dojo. Dialect Dojo. Dan's Dialect Dojo. I have a theory here. I have a theory here. Is Carrie always just doing Matthew McConaughey? Is he just doing his best Matthew McConaughey? <laughs> we got satellite comedy. We got raved off Amnava. Daisy Confused came out three years before this. Daisy Confused came out three years uh, in yeah. three. He saw that movie and said, there's something there. That's what I'm there's going with. And Jeff, my favorite part is it's a thick country accent, but the days of sniffing the dirt are over. He just goes. He does that Costner thing where he's like, "I'm just gonna leave. I'm just gonna read this thing fresh. Like, I'm not yeah. putting any dialect on this at all. Like, let me lie to you. Days of sniffing the dirt are over. Like, you know, what I mean? <laughs> he just like leveled it out. Um, I gotta be honest, Jeff. You know, I love Carrie Elwes, the hero, right? Who cannot? But I, 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 I don't mind him as a heel in a lot of movies. Well, you know girls. my favorite. You know my favorite heel is Russ Wheeler in Days of Thunder. I mean, right. yes. You know, also another kind of Southern accent. Also, he's just. You know, the, the thing about him that was so fascinating is he was a bit of a by the way, I'm looking at his IMDb 136 credits, a ton of huge movies Work. during this time. After The Princess Bride, he was in mm. Glory. Remember him in Glory? How good oh he was God. in that? He was in Days of Thunder, Hot Shots. Who doesn't yes. love Hot Shots? Oh, and of course, probably his best comedic performance, Robin Hood Men in Tights. Absolutely. I mean, do you know? Sorry to interrupt you, Jeff. Do no, you know please. That they're, that they're kicking around the idea because Maverick came out of doing a Hot Shots portray. Yes. Please, please wait. But is what's his face still alive? Oh, too soon. Who? The one that has AIDS. Oh, Charlie. Mm -hmm. Got that. Uh, Charlie. Out. Charlie's still around. No, Charlie's. We'll edit Charlie. it out. We'll edit it. We we'll edit. I have a Charlie. I have a Charlie button that immediately takes out all portions of Charlie. My favorite. Of, this is my favorite there's, memory. There's, 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 they call it the Sheen Cleaner. The Sheen Cleaner. Yeah, the Sheen <laughs> Cleaner. The Major League Pod is super weird, but I mean, other than that, there's like, just huge holes. Huge Wall holes. Street was a tough one. And then they Wall brought. Street. They went to the bullpen and brought in. Redacted. <laughs> Who didn't love man? I watch Hot Shots one and two and part oh so many times. Or it's fantastic. Remember, I mean, there's so many moments that. Uh, let me ask you a question. I'm going to go back to you, Joey, because I am a huge Louise Smith fan. You've got you can only take Carrie Elways oh. or Louise Smith in this movie. You can only oh. have one. Who do you take? Oh no. Okay, so Lois. Let's, Is it Lois? Yeah, because let's open it up, man. I mean, right. honestly, like, dude. The steak is the, the steak and egg scene. The steak and egg scene, I think, look, I, this is going to be hyperbolic, but I think it's one of like, it perhaps could be one of my secret underrated all time favorite scenes. It has fucking everything, everything that you want in a movie in this one scene. A delicious movie food. My God, the gravy is practically a food group. Those eggs look fantastic, right? They do the whole thing of like, no, we're not going. Come on. Absolutely not. Slam cut. We're going, baby. You've got Lewis Smith who plays this wonderful, you get that that feel of like the local vibe of how these twisters really get affected. And when her house finally gets like wrecked, you're like, damn it, we have to solve this. We have to mm -hmm. get these damn, as an audience member, we got to get these damn balls in the air. They tell stories. There's a quasi story that's like a joke, but it's not really. Then they talk about the monster and, and they I give add it to that you, fear Joey. factor. I mean, Joey, here it is right here. Here it is. Uh, what was it in F3? Solid F2. See, now you've lost me again. It's the Fujita scale. They do the greatest, uh, you know, uh, 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 telling you everything that's going. Uh, it measures the tornado's intensity by how much it eats. Eats, destroys. The only way we encounter things back was a strong F2, possibly an F3. And then the blah, blah, blah to uh, what would that be like? The finger of God. None of us have ever seen it. None of you have ever seen an F5. Just one of us. It's an amazing amount of dialogue and every and then, character speaks and then like the ghostbusters they get the call and they got to roll out like mm -hmm. it is is so yep. is all this character development and, and she packs up the food she packs <laughs> it up with tinfoil i'm so happy you love that everybody gets a 16 ounce fucking sirloin like there's <laughs> are they just in the fridge she no. bought a half cow at no, like the country you... market oh her joke her joke where did you get all this meat did you see my oh. <laughs> no. Did you see how, did, uh, how does she cook it? How does she cook eight 16 ounce steaks that fast? What are, we, what are we working with? Iron. She's Big got an Outback iron? Steakhouse style griddle in a secondary room where she's just 
pumping out blooming onions and steaks all day. She's I don't know a better dinner scene. Maybe, yeah. maybe Goodfellas. Yeah. Ma, Ma, can I borrow the knife? You know, mm -hmm. but not yeah. many better dinner. Oh, no, that's a quality, quality meal scene. Yeah, Joey, you get uh, me so excited. So I take her. I love her. Casino making making pasta in the jail is a pretty is a pretty good uh, is yeah. a pretty yeah. 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 the garlic. Oh, that so is pretty good. It liquefies. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. So, so, so real quick, we're going to go to our next category, and this is the transition. So in that scene, you just mentioned the guy that says the finger of God. Now, I specifically did not look up this actor's name because he is this unknown character who, in my opinion, I think he maybe has pound for pound, word for word, line for line, the greatest small character role in a movie ever. I'm going to read you his lines. These are the lines that when he goes home at night, he's looking in the mirror and he's working on by himself, okay? The first <laughs> line is... The first line is, the prodigal son returns, line one. Uh, the second line is, he gets into the car, and with the William Tell Overture smashed into Oklahoma, he gets this, he gets this revved up uh, adrenaline junkie moment and sings Oklahoma. The next one, at the steak and egg scene, he's walking in and goes, Bill's the most out-of-control son of a bitch in the game. Um, <laughs> he also then does good-sized Twister. What was it? An F3 followed up with the finger of God. And then he also gets, um, when they almost crash into the cars later, he gets a, hello, shit. And then he also gets, the cone is silent. I mean, this guy, pound for pound, if you're like, if I'm going to book one role and I have six or seven lines that I don't think are getting cut, like, mm -hmm. the cone is silent, the finger of God. I mean, who is this guy? What is this character? And I'm sorry, could we also, what is his job? Which, what, which. <laughs> so this is the category, guys. Here's the category. I want you guys oh, to all go oh. around, and if you can, if you were a storm chaser, mm -hmm. you can give me your name, but also more importantly, what is your job as the chaser of storms? What what can you bring to the table here? Because there's a lot of guys that look like they're kind of just fucking standing around a little the bit. The one driving the is he the one driving the station wagon? Which yeah, one's driving the station? He is, <laughs> right? Driving the what is his job? <laughs> what is his job? Uh, Dan, uh, do you want to go first? I mean, uh, what would you bring to the table here uh, to maybe uh, be an addition to the storm chasing team? Listen, I in no way, in no way, want to step on Aunt Meg's 16-ounce sirloins and eggs. Mm -hmm. But these boys need snacks. Yeah. And mom, mom is bringing the snacks. Wow. And is that your nickname, Mom? Mom's the nickname and snacks are the game like mother like mother and sneakers i love it so wait are these like little uh are mother. these little are these little fruit snacks and these like tropicana straw orange, pops orange you're tossing slices. them out i got orange slices i got pieces of prosciutto you know for people wow. with dietary needs wow. i got yeah, no, no 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 we do well we do well Mom provides uh to tommy what would you bring to the table if you got uh if you got added to the storm chasers team well, yeah i mean let's talk about the hottest young recruit on the team simon scab reiners uh nursing home orderly by day uh -huh. triage medical wound specialist oh, by night that's, or, that's or also day depending on the storm uh what's that mrs henderson didn't get her am meds where's simon cut to me in my Chevy Cruz flooring it to the storm bandages. I've, I've pilfered the medical supply closet from the nursing home. How does he afford all these ACE bandages? I hear he steals them. That's scab for you. <laughs> ah, that's so good. Uh, Jeff, you just got, you got the call up to the majors. You're going to be on the storm chasers. Uh, what do you bring into the table? Well, they make fun of me because my name is rich shard and they're always like, <laughs> wait isn't your name just richard and i'm like no it's rich shard and 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 that's <laughs> dan just ran into a wall <laughs> now as as we know one of my one of my go-to moves whenever you ask me this question and it is no different than this one is i'm i am one of the first to die i die quick <laughs> Because let's talk about the fucking elephant in the room. <laughs> Dan's got water in his mouth. <laughs> Poor Rich Shard. Speaking of the word shard that no one acknowledges in this movie, because I do want to talk about the fact that the most unbelievable thing about this movie is that Helen Hunt doesn't fucking die underneath an F5 twister when a single small piece of wood would slice through their jugular right. in two seconds and right. murder them completely. Right. I can't Scab deal with that. Scab would save them though. Scab would yeah. save them. Scab would <laughs> save them. 
Scab would be like, not today. I'm not losing you. (laughs) So poor Rich Shard. Um, What you mentioned earlier is that there are no guns in this movie. Not with Rich Shard. Rich Shard brings the armory and he brings it hard. Okay. He drives, he drives something close to to a tank. And Rich, every time, every time someone says there's a new twister coming, yeah, he brings it out, Joey. He's just like, let's go. I just want to fire a stream of bullets into the tornado and have them spin around and come back into it. He just fucking in one of these. Holster it, Shard. Holster that sidearm, Shard. Give that order. (laughs) Tommy, that got me. Tommy's image of the Twister bringing the bullets back and just fucking lighting them up. Oh, man. Oh man, I wish I did. I wish I didn't go last. This has been too good. Mine, mine was. Uh, mine didn't have a funny name. I was just gonna be Ricky. Uh, I'm, 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 I'm fresh out. Of, I'm fresh out of weather school. So like, I'm just oh, like, yeah. I oh, just, yeah. I just graduated weather school, and this is like my first gig, and I think I know it all. Yeah. And there's a scene like in the bar where I'm trying to, you know, hit on or like pull pull a woman home, and I'm kind of doing the suck zone vibe with Philip Seymour Hoffman, but in more of like a. More of a you don't realize what you're getting yourself into. Very close to Shard, right? Yeah. And then the whole the whole idea was that he thinks he's like ahead of his britches, and Paxson's just like you know you think you know anything, you know. And after the first couple of twisters, he gets traumatized. Yeah. But mm. in the end, he helps save someone. Mm. And then in the end, somehow, when the smoke clears, the tornado dissipates. The girl that he flirted with in the beginning is all of a sudden like 25 feet away, and she's just like smiling, and he's like. Uh. Mm. No, and they like go off together, like Daniel Stern and City Slickers. Like they get in the cab together, and he like he, he proves himself. What a pull! <laughs> he moves out. You know what I'm saying? Like, yes. I, I did it. Ricky did the it. The man had bacon for every meal. You can't do that. This this movie does have a for a movie like this that shouldn't it doesn't really have any problems in my opinion it also has all of these just little things it has the 24 problem the television show 24 Mm -hmm. where everybody just can get anywhere in oklahoma in a very short period of time this is one day people this is one afternoon jeff jeff it's only 30 miles up the dry line i mean like let's be real here we can get there we can get there pretty quick and also can we talk about another one that's a ridiculous moment when when he's driving and she's like basically calling him a puss she's like i think you can man up he's like i'll show you and he just goes into a ditch what is the reason in that first twister that he drives in a ditch there's no reason and, and real quick, if I can throw some flack on Paxson too as well, he also has the the unenvious position of saying some of the most annoying lines to all the other characters in the movie, mm-hmm. where he's already he's got all the no shit Sherlock lines of like, "Come on, get down, go faster, hurry, watch out, get down, where are, are we? Here? Come on, where are we? What is that, <laughs> Bill? It's a tornado." <laughs> Wow, we got to move, uh, which brings us to our final category. Uh, we did this in the last pod. I had a lot of fun. This one's called winners and losers. These are the winners and losers of Twister. Um, what I think we're going to kind of do is we're each going to go one at a time, maybe throw like two or three out and maybe pick one to comment on, and then we can kind of just sort of rip through them. I have a shit ton of them. I don't know if we're going to get to all of them, but uh, we can kind of do it like this. So maybe, we'll, Dan, you could choose one more time. You want to do winners or losers first? Uh, let's do, uh, let's do losers first. <clears throat> All right. Losers first. Uh, I'm going to throw the couple, couple of them quick out there. Um, the first one is drive-in movie theaters. Big loser oh, yeah. in this one. Oh. Doesn't work out. <laughs> I love, I love drive-in movie theaters. Does not do well in this one. Um, latches on storm sellers. They, they do not, they do not work. They do not work in this movie. It doesn't work out. Uh, and then my third one I'll throw out there is fresh lemonade on the top of a car. <laughs> <laughs> It's a hot day, beautiful, fresh, iced lemonade with the straws, everything on top of a car. Huge, huge loser in this one. Um, Tommy, throw me, throw out a couple losers. Who are the big losers in Twister? I mean, I think, you know, we got to talk about uh, leftovers. Leftovers are the losers. Uh, uh, I think uh, I think if you chose to go full Southern Texas drawl, you're a loser in this movie, unfortunately. And I would say uh, uh, t- technology, you know, I mean, I mean, ultimately Dorothy, the final Dorothy does succeed, but 
technology is kind of put through the ringer in this film. You know. Yeah, how about the employees at the National Severe Storm Laboratory? It's yeah. going to be a long day. They, big loser. They, <laughs> yeah, thought gonna be, they thought it was going to be like a hump day. It's just, yeah. oh, Wednesday, yeah. weekend coming. No. But no, that's like one of the longest work days of their life. That's Good right. call. Good call, Tommy. Uh, Dan, yeah. throw, throw a couple losers out there. Uh, to, to your point with the latches, wood in general, yeah. big loser. Big um, loser. Also, yeah. get torn right off. But the biggest loser, in my opinion, of this movie are people's hands. I don't know if you noticed, but when oh. Pat getting pelted with the hail, his hands, and he's trying to get the first Dorothy going, his hands are just destroyed. When uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman are ma- and, and all those guys, people are making the wings for the little data things mm-hmm. out of the Pepsi cans, mm-hmm. their hands are just getting tore the fuck up from that aluminum. Uh, so people's hands really take a beating in this movie. Winner Pepsi. I, I, that's oh, what I'm yeah. yeah, we're gonna get there. Sounds like secretly gloves too, as well as a winner. People should have been wearing gloves in this movie. Uh, I Jack, got a couple, a couple more yeah, losers. Yeah, a couple losers. Mine are a little bit more obscure. Uh, losers, um, uh, high school females. Uh, during the uh, scene when they're at the uh, drive-in theater, all those guys got their arms around the girls. They're having those girls. We don't know how many of them said yes. So it's mm-hmm. a tough night for them. Yeah. You know, yeah. in general, and it's the '90s in the it's, South. You know, yeah. you know, uh, loser high schoolers in general. All of them just run into a small building, mm-hmm. a very tiny building. All of them. That there's hundreds of people watching that movie. Oh, The Shining. They're watching The Shining, which, by the way, it was amazing that the movie got ripped up right at the uh, yes, uh, Here's Johnny yeah, yeah. sequence. But they all run into a small building, and nobody acknowledges that a building full of teenagers just died dra- terribly. The twister goes over that entire thing, so they're all dead. Um, uh, uh, a, a loser that I will talk about is at the end, just acknowledging that family at the end, the ones that come out and that survived. Remember that they ran into the barn and that barn was filled with knives and horrible devices. Let's just touch on what that man did for a living. And mm. was he? Oh, a- you're saying that family is the, yeah, I never made that connection of who, who, who are these people? And then you yeah. see the family afterwards and they're probably yeah. up to really. And he comes out all shit. disgruntled. He's, they got the kids and he's shaking his head. No, go fuck yourself, dude. Your house is still standing and your family's alive. And you just had a mile wide F5 go right over your, right over you. Uh, what are we doing here? Yeah, like you should be. Is. Maybe he doesn't know what an F5 is. Yeah, that's a good point. He doesn't know. Yeah, no one's ever seen it before. Yeah. I mean, that's that's a huge problem. Uh, you mentioned uh, the high school kids. Uh, how about the employee uh, working the drive-thru and Helen Hunt goes, can I have eight coffees? And she goes, eight? Oh, Jesus <laughs> Christ. Oh, my God. All right, I'm going to have to brew one pot of coffee to do this. <laughs> and we also acknowledge that there's a strong chance that they're all alcoholics because that's yeah. twice that she orders coffee, including when the wife or when the girlfriend <laughs> – fiance orders a uh, lemonade she comes in and orders a black coffee who orders black coffees dan well i i do <laughs> yeah <laughs> I believe you've had your struggles so uh you see my point. <laughs> Jesus. you have to edit half this podcast this is your funniest oh, this is your funniest fucking podcast but it's you you, I felt sick after Rich. Oh my God, Rich <laughs> He doesn't make Sorry. it. Sorry, uh, a couple. I've talked about alcoholism and date rape in the last <laughs> sixty seconds. Uh, well, uh, so clean up, clean up uh, for the losers of Twister: uh, fiancés, therapists. Oh yeah. Folding maps. Divorce. Divorce loses yeah. big time in this movie. But- Does not happen. And Donald's in- intimacy issues. Big loser. Yeah. Oh, Donald's. That's right. Yeah. Oh, she yeah, him for his penis. Married him for his penis. Yeah. Oh. So it's time. Let's go to the winners. The winners of Twister. Uh, <laughs> Tommy, if you'd like to go first, throw out a couple winners. Sure. My winners are uh, good old intuition. Yes. Old thinker. I had but that. My big, my big winner is a category I like to call Mr. and Miss Congeniality. Mm. Because I think there are. This cast is littered with people that I imagine from 1990 or 1985 to 1995 were runners up on a lot of big films. They were just like, I was second choice to play this. I was second choice to do that. But they all got cast in Twister. We got Brock. We got Hoffman. We got Paxton. We got Hunt. We got Gertz. We got Waylon. We got we got Plotnik, Slotnik, Joey Slot, Jack Plotnik, and Joey Slotnik. We got both of them. <laughs> 
Um, I love that one. That's such a great call. We already mentioned Pepsi's a huge winner. Let's just throw out Steak and Eggs is a huge winner. Oh, yeah. Tr trucks are a huge winner. Uh, dropping dirt from your hand mm -hmm. and knowing what the weather is going to be like in two hours, uh, that's a huge winner. Um, I want that one, and an obvious one I'll throw out the suck zone. Uh, Jeff, throw out a couple more winners for Twister. Just to go on with what you're saying about trucks, I'm just going to say cars and tires and uh, engines in general. Just It doesn't matter what speed you're driving, what kind of terrain you're on. No car needs to be repaired, even though it was a 1965 Winnebago or uh, yeah. who knows. Or a station what, wagon. A, or a, a station wagon. one station wagon. So, sorry to just jump in on you. But how, I mean, when have you ever been to a, a, a repair shop and they go 10 minutes, 15 tops, it'll be done and taken care oh, of. Oh, that's a great one, dude. Good call. Uh, rapid fire. I'm probably like 25 to 28 minutes on a good day. Mm -hmm. Changing a tire. Anyone, can oh, anyone yeah. beat that? 10 no. to 15 minutes is insane. That's Left to my own devices to change a tire, six hours, seven hours, <laughs> just to figure out the jack. And let's remember how the jack works. Let's not, let's not confuse it. Like they weren't just changing a tire. He went, ran over a bunch of logs and metal things. Oh, yeah. We got to fix yeah. the fuck. That's going up on the lift. And that's usually when they're like, I'm well, going to need a few days. And here's my favorite part. He takes the tire. He takes the tire out of the truck and then rolls the tire away. And the car stays there. Oh, you're right. gonna need you're gonna need the car. You're gonna need yep. the car to come with. That you. is generally the rule, right? You got to put the tire on the car. On the car. Yeah, uh, I, I got another. It. I got another winner for you. Natural disasters in the '90s in oh, general. Yes. I mean, Dante's Peak, volcano, yes. uh, deep impact, Armageddon. Deep impact. And I mean, come on, yeah. just you need a natural disaster. It happened in the '90s. Absolutely. Yeah. No, let's be real. The Twister, the Twisters look amazing. Yeah. They look awesome. They look yeah. great on a big screen. That's I mean, Yonda Bond says that he wanted to do this film because of the last chance he got a chance to really work on practical effects before CGI took over. There's tons of CGI in this movie, but I get it with the the sparks, uh, you know what I mean? Like, he gets to work with fire and sparks like that. Dan, hop in. Well, I was just going to say, uh, you know, there was a lot of controversy with this movie. Somebody sued Spielberg and Yonda Bond for stealing the storyline <clears throat> because it's so close to My Girl Friday and a couple of uh, some, some other movies. Um, <laughs> some remake that Cary Grant did a gender reversal thing. I don't know. But anyway, this guy sued Freaky Friday. Go on. <laughs> Sorry. Oh, Jeff. No. Oh. Um, uh, but they, they sued they sued Spielberg and Jan Devant and one of the other writers. But also Joss Whedon wrote on this. Uh, really? Yeah. yeah 100, 100K a week to, yeah. uh, to, script, to script doctor this. And another guy named Steve Zalian also was brought in. And quick yeah, tip about their guy. <laughs> Alien didn't get a single word into the script. He was he was contracted to write and would send off scenes every day that Jan de Bont didn't ever use. The production company wasn't happy with the script, but Jan was like, I love this script. Let's just shoot this fucking thing. Yeah, and, and quick throw out, uh, Bill Paxton was quoted as saying, you know, everyone's like, Steven Spielberg gets executive credit on this movie. And they're like, you know, I wonder what his role in this whole thing was. Bill Paxton claims that he never met Steven Spielberg until a year and a half later on a red carpet for some other movie. And he walked up to Bill Paxton and said, thanks for making me a ton of money. So I don't think Spielberg had his, well, so his fingerprints on this one. You know what I'm right. saying? Spielberg, though, did get them out of the legal trouble by saying in a deposition that the movie was successful because of the special effects and not the storyline. So weirdly enough, Spielberg actually kind of comes in and, and saves the day with that one comment. I love this kind of stuff. Um, um, do biggest, you have any more, do you have any, any more winners here? My biggest winner of the movie is uh, leather straps that hold mm. uh, Joe and Bill in while they're inside of a fucking tornado. Sure. All in F5. In <laughs> F5, I love, which I, I believe the minimum speed has to be 200 miles an hour inside of an F5. You know who would know that? Rich Chard. He would Rich know. Chard would know. Rich Rich Chard would know. Gosh! You know what goes faster than that? Bullets. Bang, bang, bang. <laughs> Uh, I, and let's be honest, the ultimate winner, <laughs> teenagers in the 90s going to see this movie. My God. Absolutely. Wow, holy cow. Woo. Dude, so good. Uh, my other winners that I have real quick, obviously we have Pepsi, we have Dorothy, the myth of the extreme. Yeah. Um, uh, dogs in general, two for two on dogs making two it out of this two. movie a lot. Yeah, that's not bad, right? You know Spielberg had nothing to do with it because Spielberg would have killed the dogs. <laughs> he would have killed Absolutely. that dog. Yeah, but uh, at least my, one dog dies. 
Uh, I had another one. Mamata's spiking above 40,000. Huge winner. I don't <laughs> yeah. know if it's ever happened before, but when it does, you got to give it you got to give it the W. Yeah. And then I think maybe we can land on this is um let's just land on Van Halen. Oh, because yeah. because let's be real, this is 1996 at this point. I mean, I think we're 10 years we're 10 years removed from Hagar coming over, right? Mm-hmm. At this point, you know, they have had the commercial success, but 96 is probably maybe the last gasp of Van Halen. Yeah, because I think my the opinion, next year is when Gary Sharon takes over, right? I agree. And, and you, 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 got Goo, you got Goo Goo Dolls on this soundtrack. Yeah. You got some bangers a little bit. And mm-hmm. I don't know. I just thought it was awesome. I mean, Jeff, like, you know, I love movie scores, but the fact that Mark Mencia interweaved uh, Eddie Van Halen, I think it was the third Storm Chase, we're like, dun, 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 dun. Mm-hmm. And then it interweaves into the guitar solo. And it's just, and you just mentioned high schoolers in the 90s watching this movie. I mean, it's just a dream. Like oh Eddie God. Van Halen's guitar licks over trucks racing down, a, you mm-hmm. know, racing right into the hell zone. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's just, it, I, Van Halen's a huge winner. For me. Well, you guys are way more music people. This is always where I, I fail with when it comes to music. But my only question is, where was this soundtrack? Why didn't we have this one? Like we had the Garden State soundtrack. Mm-hmm. I don't understand. Like, there was yeah. there's endless good music in this movie, especially from Philip Seymour Hoffman's character, who's blaring it out of his his thing, his little. Uh, I think it's time for a re-release, a special edition re-release. Maybe uh, yeah. with some I some liner notes with some anecdotes. Yeah, eat yeah. shit, Forrest Gump soundtrack. Twister has a few <laughs> things to say. That's right. <laughs> Tommy, Tommy, real quick before we go, do you have a favorite movie soundtrack from the '90s? Oh my God! Well, uh, the kid version of me loved the Nightmare Before Christmas. Uh, Space Jam soundtrack by far. Space Jam yeah. soundtrack. Wow. Uh, wore that one up front to back. Uh, you know, we got Basketball Jones covered by Chris Rock. We've got uh, we've got Monica coming in. We've got Quad City DJs. We've got yeah. R. Kelly. Uh, maybe don't talk about him, but a, a, a song that people would say they enjoyed. I think Seal steps in for uh, a cover of a Steve Miller band song. He, in, in uh, Fly Like an Eagle. Fly Like an Eagle. And yeah. Credits, I mean, yeah. there's just, I got to tell you. I listen to that Space Jam soundtrack uh, pretty religiously. Yeah, yeah, I'm probably a Batman Forever Empire Records guy. You love that Batman time. Forever too. That's another great one. A lot, a lot of great tracks. Singles and singles have a great. Uh, Did that movie have a great soundtrack? Singles had a fantastic one. That was such a great music soundtrack. I for some reason had the Braveheart soundtrack, and I used to listen to it all the time in my car. Dude, uh, track six, uh, late at night before I'd play like a big basketball game, I would mm-hmm. listen to basically the the, the score. Yeah, the one where he arrives uh, before the big speech. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. absolutely. I was uh, I was really short, short in high school and middle school, so I got constantly gifted copies of the Rudy soundtrack and Rudy the soundtrack. Rudy VHS tape and the Rudy DVD to the point where I had multiples of all of them. So, uh, yeah, the Rudy soundtrack. Yeah. I think that might be '89 though, so I might have I might have cheated on that. And, and to this credit, maybe to put a button on it with Twister, is that you're walking out of this movie theater and there's clouds and this atmospheric clouds with this guitar just like raging Michael Mann style just over it while everyone's walking out of the movie theater going, oh, that was pretty good. Did you like it? Yeah, I liked it a lot. Yeah, that was pretty awesome. Isn't it? And that's movies in the 90s for you. This was the 1996 film Twister. We got to get out of here. I want to thank my guest panel so much. New Rockstar's very own Tommy Bechtold. Uh, Palo Alto creator Dan Sanders-Joyce, Blackish and Planet Fitness's very own Jeff Meacham. You you cannot bring a horse to that gym. Do not bring a horse to that gym. Uh, He will shut your ass down and revoke your membership, gentlemen. So great to have you back on the pod. So great to see you. And uh, thanks so much for coming back to do this. Today's episode of Bet on Chicago, Joey Christopoulos was presented by BetOnline.ag. 50% off every uh, your first deposit when you head to that. Make sure you go check that out. And also, if you go to BaseballLifestyle11BL101.com, you get 10% off when you use promo code JoeySportsGuy for all the fantastic summer baseball apparel this season. Be well, be safe. Please be good to each other. Thanks for checking out this pod. We'll be back with more. And remember, when in doubt, always bet on Chicago. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.